1: No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me, Chris Hall, and him, Pete George. Well, since you were last with us, Albion have played twice against bottom three teams at the Hawthorns and won 1-0 in both games. Both teams came with very little ambition to win the game um, and really showed little ambition to go and get a goal outside of the very late stages of the game. So you would think that... today's pod would probably be us comparing two very similar performances and saying Albion have basically played the same game twice in a week and picked up six points. But, Pete, I don't think that's what we're saying at all, uh, is it? I I think certainly as I've been going through the data today and certainly from the eye test of being sat in the Birmingham Road for both of those games, I felt I watched two extremely different games over the course of the piece against wigan i watched a game where we we certainly took more risks um the, the 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 possession was much more equal 55 to 45% but we had 17 shots on goal we hit the woodwork four times technically the data says twice but the two of them don't count because they come off the keeper onto the woodwork either shot for the the, the uh, that hits the bar for the goal and the one from dk which hits the keeper and goes onto the post and comes back with, uh, to him so really we've we've dominated that game we've had a lot of big chances in it um the uh, the uh, the xg was was pretty high for us as well um which was uh, which, which was coming in uh, the huddersfield game was coming in at um uh uh, sorry, the Wigan game, I should say, was coming in at 2.52. And it's quite frankly, it's a game that, despite Wigan having a couple of chances late on, won a free header that they really should have done better with, was a game that we should have won long before that, comfortably, 2-3-0. And I think if we'd won the game 3, maybe even 4-0, I don't think anybody would have argued. Huddersfield on Saturday, on the other hand, similar team in a similar position with a similar lack of ambition. But Albion struggled really to create chances. We've obviously won the game from a penalty, which despite what Mr. Warnock wants to say was 100% a penalty for me. It was one of the most stone wall you're going to see. The, 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 the lad's just got wrong side of, of Connor. Connor's done really well to step across him and he's bundled him over. But from there, we created very, very little. Um, you pointed out to me that if you take the penalty out of the, out of the game, out of the XG, which is obviously 0.79 of the XG, we only created 0.91, which means really we probably only should have scored one goal beyond the penalty. Whereas, you know, we've got, we've got, Nearly three goals worth of non-penalty xG against against Wigan, so it was a much it was a performance much lighter on chances. We had a lot more of the ball against Huddersfield, seventy percent of the ball, but didn't really do do a great deal with it. And i I said a lot on Twitter after the Wigan game about I'm really not worried about that performance. Saw a lot of people saying it was too slow, it was too ponderous. I didn't think so. I thought we took our time and we constantly broke down um, a team that was with a stacked defence against us. And really, the only thing I'd be critical of is our finishing should be better. I'm a little bit worried about the Huddersfield performance, if I'm honest, Pete, because we didn't create very much. And if Huddersfield score with one of the two big chances that they have in the game, I think they, you know, it finishes one-one, and although it's a little bit of a smash and grab on Huddersfield's part, it's certainly not daylight robbery. Which, if Wigan had equalised against us in midweek, that would have been daylight robbery. So, I think they're two very different displays. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think obviously both teams kind of wanted to come, and I think they'd have been fairly happy if they'd got a point, and obviously much, a lot happier if they'd, they'd nicked, nicked a goal and than- at nil nil and, and gone on to win the game, but neither were coming to dominate the ball and really take it to our win. So we kind of had to create and um, penetrate, blow blocks and um, work chances out of that. Rather than I think we're a lot more comfortable creating chances when we're we're on the counter attack and we're coming up against an unsettled defence. Um, I mean we didn't do it tons, but. We definitely didn't. We had more counter attacks against Wigan than we did against Huddersfield, which is probably one of the reasons why we looked a bit better. I think we two unambitious against,
1: teams, but marginally speaking, Wigan were more ambitious than than Huddersfield, weren't they?
0: Yeah, basically, and um, I think that probably allowed us to to have more counter attacks against Wigan. We had four against Wigan, and from for those four, we we had shots in three of them, which is really good, clinical. Um, And probably points to making the correct decision on the counter attack, which is really important. Um, whereas against Huddersfield, we only had two and and only had a shot in one of them. So probably less, less room to counter attack and create chances that way, which we like to do. And, um, really probably not as clinical on the counter attacks when we, we did have them, when we did have them against Huddersfield, which led to us not really having that many chances. Um, and not really any really good chances, so yeah, I think the important thing is we've got results in both of them, picked up three points in, in each game. And,
1: and Do you have any concerns over the Huddersfield display, though? I mean, did, did it did it, did it worry you? And do you concur with me that the Wigan game, the Wigan performance was not particularly worrying outside of maybe a bit of finishing?
0: Yeah, I think the Wigan performance definitely wasn't the most exciting game of the season, but we we created enough chances to win it, and it was definitely deserved that we did win it, and you know we probably could have won it by by a goal or more, to a goal or two more. Um, so yeah, weekend game. I don't really have any concerns. Um, as I say, not exciting, but at this stage of the season, three points is three points. I'd rather have three points than no points in a really exciting game. Huddersfield, I'm not too worried about it because they really they were just there to sit deep and and prevent us from finding spaces in behind and quick breaks, so yeah, I think we we're always going to be we're always going to struggle more against sides that do sit deep like that and and don't let us have those spaces, especially in behind, and to counter attack into. Um, but I can't imagine everyone's going to do that from now to the end of the season, uh, so I'm not not majorly concerned. And also, after you've taken the lead with a penalty, and you know that Huddersfield aren't really too threatening, you, I suppose you you Probably gates a little bit, and you don't have to push. Well, do too you, hard, do but... you also
1: trust yourself quite a lot? Because you've conceded one goal in in eleven games at home, and that was a set piece which your keeper should have saved. You know, you 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 probably you probably there's there's probably something in your mind that goes, "Well, it's done here. We're one up."
0: Well, yeah, that's the other thing. We just, yeah, we seem to be able to just keep clean sheets as easy as that. The Hawthorns, and I imagine it gives you confidence as a player when you do get the first goal you thinking. We're in a really good position here. You know, we're solid at the back, and obviously, the second goal is is really important and definitely helps kill games off. But yeah, you're not you're not shaking. You're not too nervous. Only being one goal up at the minute because we just seem to be so solid defensively at the Hawthorns um, that quite often one goal one goal is enough for us to get the three points at the minute.
1: Absolutely. And I think just to pick up on, on something you said earlier there, Pete, as well, it, it, it's important to recognize because I, I feel like some of the criticism that has, has been around Albion on, on social media after, after the, these two games, I think it's calmed a little bit after the, after Huddersfield game because people have looked at six points in a week and gone, look, we did what we needed to do. But nonetheless, I think that there has still been some criticism around the entertainment value of the performances, but it's worth saying, It takes two to tango in a game of football and it's incredibly difficult to make a game of football entertaining when the opposition come and do... To a certain extent, what Wigan did, but certainly what Huddersfield did, and you mentioned the, the the Middlesbrough game there, and I've seen a few few people say, yeah, but we were good, we 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 played good attacking football against Middlesbrough. Yeah, but Middlesbrough came out of their shape. They they they've only got one way that they're ever going to play, and that is to have a go at the opposition. And we're really really good, especially at the Hawthorns against those sorts of sides, in picking them off. Now, Wigan, I think quite a few sides will come to the Hawthorns and do that to us I'm not sure that the playoff chasing sides maybe Millwall will actually but I don't think your your Norwiches probably Sunderland's teams like that will come to the Hawthorns and play like that but um, I think I think certainly anybody a little bit further down the league table probably will because they'll respect us and they'll respect our home record I'm not sure any teams will come and do what um, what Huddersfield did because it was so extreme wasn't it Pete uh, i mean the, it, they were so deep i re- i was watching the second half and probably on about 70 minutes i i turned to my I turned to my dad and went you'd think you'd think they were the ones 1-0 up how deep they were they were just letting us have the ball and they were showing no ambition i mean it was it, it, it was, it was a really, really negative display from Warnock. And he did have a go sort of last 10 to a certain degree. And they got a bit more of the ball and they left some spaces in behind. But to think that you can get a goal late on against a team that's conceded up to that point, one in the last 10 at home, I thought was a little bit naive from Warnock. It was just keep it to 1-0 for as long as we possibly can and have a go last 10, which I thought was deeply optimistic to think that he could, he he could get the goal, but nonetheless, you look at the way they played. And I noted that, um, that 46% of our shots against uh, Huddersfield were from outside the box, which is pretty high, to be honest, nearly half, nearly half your shots to be from long range, but Huddersfield were just so deep. They defended their box really, really well. And, also, you look at how high our centre-halves were getting. Our most completed dribbles was Dar O'Shea, because they were just allowing the centre-halves. And Peters drove forward into midfield as well. O'Shea's had two shots in the game. Peters has had one that the keeper's done well to save, or he's made a bit of a hash of it, depending on how you want to look at it. And they were giving the centre-halves space to come 20, 30 yards up the field, Pete. And I haven't seen anybody do that at the Hawthorne, stand office uh, that much, and I think it just returns me to my to my previous point of people want entertainment, fair dues, but you're only going to get entertainment to a certain degree if an opposition comes out of their shape a little bit and comes to play a game of football. Huddersfield had absolutely no ambition to play a game of football; they were happy at nil nil. And they wanted to keep it there. But genuinely, they were happy at 1-0 down as well until maybe the last 10 minutes when they twisted a little bit and tried to put balls into the box and cause us problems. And to be fair to us, we dealt with them pretty well. I just don't think you are going to get entertainment. And I think people need to temper their expectations, or some people do anyway, temper their expectations of what level of entertainment and free-flowing football you can actually get out of games against Wigan and Huddersfield where the opposition just do not play and it is 10-11 behind the ball, genuinely, I would compare that to a those two games this week to what you quite often see when a non-league team is drawn against a Premier League team in in the FA Cup. I really do think that's comparable.
0: Well, Warnock probably knew that if they did step out a bit, even when they were 1-0 down and try to attack us then we're going to be you know we're going to be happier we're, we'll have those spaces to try and pick, pick them up on the counter attack and, and double our lead which would have really killed the game off so I can kind of understand why Huddersfield were doing it because if you do start to attack then you probably run more of a risk and and you're almost better off just sitting back and trying to do that to Albion instead and, try and trying to get a counter attack where you can be clinical and and take your chance and maybe even the game up and just just make sure you stay in the game until then um because as as we've said we're probably not as good as not as good at breaking down low blocks as we are teams that are going to leave a bit more space in behind and and play a high line and actually try and attack us so as a team that's fighting relegation you do kind of need to just be patient and hope that your chance does come and and you can be clinical with it rather than you know setting up to to attack and leave yourself open and that's when you're probably going to concede more goals and just kill the game off before you've even given yourself a chance so i can understand why they did it but as you say it definitely doesn't make for for great entertainment um
1: and i can't see any way they stay up
0: well no there's that as well but
1: i'd give um, wigan half a chance unless of course they get a points deduction which is looking possible but um if i think if they don't i'd give them half a chance because i didn't think they were awful but i can't i can't see how hodders i think i think they said on uh, on on ITV that there there's something like 6 hours without a goal or something like that now i can't see how they score enough to stay up
0: no i'd i'd be surprised but you know there's there's a couple of teams around the there's a bit of a gap between the relegation zone and the, team, the teams outside of it but after that is can become quite tight. So you know, if they do pick a few, a few points from from somewhere, then you never know. And I doubt Warnock would have gone in thinking that they were certain for relegation. Um, I'd be surprised if he came out of retirement for that. But he just can't seem to keep himself away from football. So well, he's he's mal- can...
1: he's mildly deluded as well, isn't he? I mean, look, I don't want to turn this into a, into a Neil Warnock thing because uh, I mean it's... It, and, and most most Albion fans, myself included, don't exactly have a warmth of feeling towards him, which obviously dates back to the Battle of Bramall Lane. But, I, I mean, his comments before the game, I'm sure he thought they were mind games, but they they were deluded, weren't they? Carlos Corbran must have a great agent to get that job. I'd have loved that job. Come on, Neil. Like you wouldn't. It, it, nobody's going to give you the Albion job in a million years. It, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not being funny. There's uh, there's ex Wolves managers that would get the job before you would. Like the, there's nobody's going to give you that job in, in in a million years. I know. He, I'm sure he he thought that um, that that it was mind games. But the way Carlos laughed it off when he was asked about it, I think just. Showed how utterly pathetic it was. To be honest,
0: he had, I, I can work out if he was trying to play mind games or if he was literally just having a laugh because you—you
1: you wouldn't put it past him to believe what he said, though, would you?
0: No, no. I mean, I well, I'm too young to actually remember the Battle of Bramble Lane. I've obviously read about it and seen all the videos and everything, and know all about it, but I didn't see it at the time, so I've, I've not actually got that much.
1: Well, let, let's put Again, it this way, Pete. There was a couple of times in the second half where their players went down for treatment with nobody around them. And I have to say, my my my, my dad turned to me and went, he's going to bring seven off injured here.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone's um, questioning, questioning what Warnock was planning that day. But yeah, I mean, he's a character and I, I do find him quite funny at times, but... I can, yeah, I definitely understand why he's not liked around around the Hawthorns.
1: Absolutely. Just going back slightly to the Wigan game, and um I mean, over the course of the the, the Wigan and Hull games, thirty eight shots across those two games, Pete, and we scored one goal. Now, on the one hand, I look at that and I go, "If you keep," do-, and and by the way, though that that was uh, that was an XG of nearly five across those two games so those weren't shots in bad areas they were they, they, they were shots in areas where we should be scoring now one part of me says if you're scoring one goal against an xg of five and having 38 shots in two games sooner or later that's going to turn and somebody is going to get an absolute stuffing on the other hand it sort of says to me should we be a little bit worried about our, our finishing where do you stand
0: Um, I kind of stand somewhere in the middle, I think, because if you just pick one off games and and say we had this amount of expected goals, then yeah, you're definitely going to find games where you, you massively underperformed, but equally, you're probably going to find the opposite. If you, if you look at a game where we've won, you know, two or three, scored two or three goals, probably not created that level of chances and expected goals. Um, so that's probably where you've got to look at a bit more over the whole season. And, um, if you do that, then we are underperforming. So that's more of a case where you, you might have your concern. Um, on average per game this year, we've had a, an expected goals of, um, 1.79 and we've scored at a rate of 1.25 per game. So, you know, that's about a goal every other game of underperformance of missing chances. Um, so it's a slight concern um but
1: do you think that's mainly down to ha- have not having dk available for a large chunk of the season because i mean i love brandon but he's not he's he's not he's not a born finisher and we didn't even have him at the start of the season either so um i don't think we 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 we've had that we've had that natural goal scorer available to us for much of the season
0: yeah that definitely doesn't help I mean, prior to joining Albion, DK had an incredible record of overperforming his expected goals. Which I mean, you'd you thought it would drop off at some point, and you'd kind of go back to scoring at a regular rate. And I think he basically has done this season. Um So, as well as being probably a better finisher than most in the squad, he's he's also gets more chances than everyone else in the squad. So that's a benefit to have him there. Um, but I do believe that if you keep creating chances, then you know, you can score goals. If you aren't scoring at a brilliant rate, then you just got to keep creating the chances and, and they will come eventually. And I might, well, I think we're a bit unlucky. Um, the one against, it was against Huddersfield, wasn't it? Where DK kind of received it was back to goal in the area and. Kind that was against, that was like, against
1: Wigan, where he, where he swivels and, and hits the shot and it hits the keeper. Oh, was a Wigan. And hits the
0: post. Yeah, it was Wigan. Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. We were a bit unlucky that that didn't go in. I thought it was going to break the keeper's wrist, to be honest, when he hit it. Um, do
1: you know, uh, do you know what? I thought the same because obviously I'm way back in the Birmingham Road end. Um, so, and it, that was at the Smethwick end. I, I, I honestly thought when he hit that, I thought it was going to be like a cartoon where it's like the fireball and the keeper goes flying into the back <laughs> of the net with it.
0: Yeah, with the power he, he strikes the ball, you wouldn't be surprised. The keeper did well to react to to where it was going because, it, yeah, when he does strike a ball, he strikes it really hard, and that's kind of where a lot of his goals came from for Barnsley and Orlando were just these finishes where he was just absolutely drilling the ball into the back of the net, and it may he's, have been one He's of the-
1: exciting me at the moment, not just with with what he's doing in in front of goal, Pete, but uh, one of my big criticism with with DK. In prior weeks, has been that I haven't. I felt the ball hasn't stuck with him. I think his hold-up play is getting a lot better.
0: Yeah, well, it probably comes with sharpness, doesn't it? I mean, we've seemed to be saying it every week, but he had such a long period off that he's still just kind of getting into regular game times. And I think we'll he done? Three ninety minutes in a row now, which is yeah.
1: Do you think this injury to Brandon has actually helped him? I know we were all worried, thinking, oh. Luminec D- dK's got to play like three four ninety minutes in a row with his injury record this could you know we could lose another striker here but he has come through it and it might have been the best thing for him
0: yeah well it's kind of forced him to to have to do it and and I imagine it's probably given him a bit more confidence that his body will actually hold up when he's playing um well we've had midweek games what's he done about three games in just over a week hasn't he so yeah that's if he's not getting confidence that his his body's back up to, to shape and you know that he can he can sprint and he can hit the ball as hard as he can and without picking up these injuries, then I don't know what is going what's going to give him the confidence. So it's yeah, it's probably helped him. Um, but saying that, you know, he probably could have done with a rest each game. Um, I'm sure he's being monitored, but. You know, if we'd been two or three goals up, I doubt he'd have played the 90 minutes for And that's each game. the
1: problem with winning these games 1-0, isn't it? That, 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 um, really Corbran is struggling to bring key players off.
0: Yeah. Um, as I say, he's done well to, to last the 90 for the three games, but I'd be very surprised if Corbran would have made him do the 90 for the three games. If we, if we did have a, maybe a two goal lead, I think Malcolm would have come off the bench and, and got some minutes and, DK could have just had that extra bit of rest, but, you know, you've got, well, Colburn's got to do what he has to do to, to get the win, and I'm sure he's very aware of the minutes that DK's playing, and and I'm sure he knows what he's capable of doing without putting him in, in too much risk of getting injured.
1: Well, uh, the other side, though, on that, with, uh, in terms of nursing players through, though, is that, um, is that I feel like he has used Chalaba well over the last two games. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, because obviously Malumbi has been, um, sat a booking away from a susp, uh, from, I think it's a two game ban, isn't it? Because it'll be his, it'll be his second accumulation of, of yellow cards, um, so far this season. The amnesty comes in, after we've played Cardiff in midweek. So we've, and, and he picked up the yellow that put him one away against Hull. So he's nursed him through two games now. He brought him off early on against, um, Wigan. Which I know a few people questioned, but I get it. I get it. The last thing he needed was another suspension going into that Huddersfield game with an already thin squad um, so I completely understand why he would bring he would bring Molumby off um, when he did, and then when Chalibur got ready, I thought oh he 's doing the same thing against Huddersfield, but then it was Yukoslu who came off, and again, I just think it 's smart by Corbrand because we saw Yakoslo. Start the season brilliantly. And then Bruce played him game after game after game after game. And he burnt out really, really badly. And then he was really poor for a few weeks. And he brings him off a little bit earlier against uh, against Huddersfield. Gives him a rest. And he he did look like he was labouring a little bit, Yukoslu. And I just thought, again... Really good management by Corbran. He obviously has a degree of trust around Chalaba, not enough to start him but enough that with 20-30 minutes to go in a game that he will bring off one of his central midfielders for him. And I just think he's used Chalaba as that backup really intelligently in the last two games to manage the squad.
0: Yeah, well, we, I think Moulombi's definitely done enough and Yikushly. um have done enough to to nail themselves down as the the first two choices for central midfield. Um I think Molumby's energy is vital for what we do. And he works really nicely down the right-hand side with Furlong and O'Shea and Wallace when he's there as well. And I don't think Chalab has got that kind of energy to get up and down as much as Molumby does and to to help create those overloads and wide positions. Um, but Chalibre's all is obviously a, a very good player and... He seems to be um, a bit more, a bit more of a cool head. He, he doesn't look like he's going to lose the ball when he's receiving it in tight areas, and he doesn't look like he's going to try something that's probably not the right thing to try in that situation, and then give the ball away cheaply. So he looks reliable um, and confident. So he
1: probably just lacks the dynamism of the other two, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Um, which is obviously it's a downfall there, but. To have the comp- he's probably more composed and more i probably yeah, if he was receiving the ball in a tight area, if any of them were receiving the ball in a tight area and then getting pressured, then I'd probably have the most confidence caliber to keep the ball and, and not give it away cheaply. And obviously he's got his his downfalls, but he's also got you know, there's obviously benefits for him playing as well so in the right situation. Um and at the minute that's coming off the bench for Malumbi or Yakujalu. Um and just Kind of support on the team in that way doesn't necessarily have to be be starting to to have a really positive impact on on the squad and on the results.
1: One player we did nurse through after the uh, after the Middlesbrough game because he obviously looked like he picked up a bit of an injury was Eric Peters and I mean I've got to be honest I'm delighted we've nursed him through because for for me Pete I think he's been he's been an absolute standout this season. I mean, obviously, we talk about the defensive record at home. It is absolutely incredible. One goal conceded in the last 11 home games in all comps. If you want to miss the Chesterfield game out, be my guest. One goal conceded in 10 games is equally as impressive. And you can't blame the back four for a set piece that goes through the keeper's hands. So really, it should be 10 games without a goal conceded, truth be told. Certainly, in terms of Defensive mistakes. It is because the, they've done they, they've really done nothing wrong for that goal. It shouldn't. It just shouldn't happen. And I think Eric Peters has been absolutely tremendous. I mean, I looked at his stats for the season, Pete, and he is almost never dribbled, dribbled past. He gets dribbled past less than once every ten games. Now, to put that in perspective, Dario Shea is twice that. Semi-Ajay is three times as frequently dribbled past. The, the only other centre half that actually um that that actually gets dribbled past less than Peters is Bartley. But then to be honest with Bartley, having drop off so deep that you wouldn't expect him to be dribbled past. Also, Peters gives away less fouls than Bartley and O'Shea. The only centre half who's better than him in that particular regard is Semi Ajay. And He's got the, he's got the best pass completion of anyone other than Malumbi in the team, uh, in the entire squad over the course of the season. Now, granted, they're not particularly progressive passes, but then why would you want them to be? the The, the, the guy keeps it simple, and when we are trying to keep the ball at home, particularly when we're ahead, you can trust Eric Peters to do that—not to try a ridiculous pass into midfield that's not on, give the ball away, and put us on the defensive to just keep the ball, to give it to Daro or to give it to Connor Townsend and retain possession. I mean, and it's worth reminding ourselves, he's not a center half. He's a left back. He was bought having played the vast majority of his career at left back. He's I think 34 years old. And I mean, I, I think, I think when, when we initially signed him, I think, it was probably looked at as a little bit of a little bit of an odd one because you know Connor's gonna start at left back. We probably thought it's a bit weird buying somebody so experienced as Peters to back up our existing left back. But he's gone into centre back, he's absolutely made that position his own. And do you know what? If you sat somebody down to watch Eric Peters having absolutely no knowledge of Eric Peters' career. I don't think they would. They would say that's a left back at centre half. I think they'd say that's a guy who's played 250 games at, at centre back, wouldn't they? I mean, he's just been. He's he looks so at home in that position. I just think he's he's one of our real standouts from this season for me.
0: Yeah, he seems to work really well, quite often push towns and over the pitch. So he's into kind of areas halfway between what you'd expect a left centre. Left centre back to be in, and a left back to be in. So it probably helps him feel more at home. Almost, it benefits us because we've got the left-footed, the left-footed left player that can play there, rather than it being a bit more of an unnatural right-foot player playing there. Just, you know, when you've got the left foot, there, it makes it easier to to receive the ball and play passes. Um, just because of you can use your left foot rather than kind of having to turn your body to use your right foot. Um, but you mentioned is I'm not getting dribble pass very much. Um, in terms of defensive duels um he's got the high third highest success rate in them of center backs in the league that have played more than ten nineties. um so that's extremely impressive um
1: he seems to be able to also Pete make that what you would consider to be that risky challenge there was one there was one against Wigan where uh, the the guys received the ball in the penalty area on the right hand side and Peters has just stretched out a leg and I mean, I'll be honest, my heart was in my mouth at the time. But with most players, you'd think as soon as they go to ground in the penalty area with a player who is getting to the ball first, it's going to be a penalty because they're going to flick the ball past the defender and inevitably they're going to make contact and they're going to bring him down. How many times does Peters make that challenge and time it impeccably? I mean, that's just experience, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. Um and he's also really good at getting in front of shots in the box as well. Um he ranks quite highly for shots shots blocked per nineteen in terms of centre backs in the league. Um and you mentioned his passing, which is obviously very good. And he doesn't um attempt that high number of progressive passes, but if you look on it look at it in a per hundred passes basis, so progressive passes per hundred passes, he's higher than Dario Shea attempts. Again, it's not particularly high for the league, but he does it really accurately as well. Um, the completion rate for his progressive passes is 73%, which is, I'd say it's very impressive to be able to move the ball forward accurately like that. It probably helps quite often. It's, it's not too complicated of a, a pass. A lot of the time it's kind of just forward into townsend. Um, but he also, he runs with the ball, um, as well. His progressive runs per 90s at 1.59, but that's in, the 80th percentile, percentile for centre backs in the championship. So, um, yeah, in terms of championship centre backs, he's actually quite aggressive with the ball, um, and he does it does it both with his runs and his passes. Um, so he's yeah, there's there's other sides to his game other than just his, his pure defending.
1: And just another player that I, I just want to highlight. And um, um, to be honest, this is a little bit of repetition because we've we we we've talked about this guy for a few weeks now, but With every game, Pete, it feels like John Swift's influence on matches just grows and grows and grows. I mean, Wigan, three shots, four key passes, 87% uh, pass completion rate. And then even against Huddersfield, where we weren't that great, he was still the one pulling the strings, four shots, which was the most, two key passes, which was the equal most. I mean, I, I... I just think I, I, we said it at the time under Steve Bruce that I felt he brought John Swift in without a clear plan of how to use the guy. And I thought John Swift got some stick from Albion fans earlier, earlier in the season, partly justified because he wasn't playing terribly well. And when he dropped out the side, I wasn't particularly surprised because he wasn't overly contributing, but to be critical of Swift himself, I actually thought was harsh because you and I said didn't we that, that and and I actually went on a reading podcast um'cause we, we, when before we played reading at um uh, at their place, and I talked to the guy who was obviously very very knowledgeable on reading and i and I discussed the way we were playing John Swift, and he just said to me. You're playing him wrong. Like what? What? Why you? Why has Bruce been playing him that position? Obviously, the Reading away game was post Bruce, but I, I described the way Bruce had used him throughout the course of the season. He was like, "What's he doing with him? It's not how you use John Swift." And I, I just thought that the stick John Swift got earlier in the season was a stick that probably should have been directed at Steve Bruce for not understanding the player that he had signed. I think Corbran gets him all day long. And that is why John Swift for me. And I, I, I if you'd said to me at the start of the season, in fact, you and I pre pre-season did a predictions of who is going to be Albion's player of the season. You said Swift. I said Wallace. And do you know what? After 10 games about the only thing that I could feel smug about was the fact that I thought, well, I've got that one nailed over Pete all day long. Cause Wallace is definitely going to be our player of the season. Who's the more influential now? Swift, by a country mile, Pete. And it's all down to Corbran understanding the player. Bruce had no idea who he had signed and how to use him. Corbran is using him perfectly. And I think that in every game now that we see with Albion, it's all about John Swift pulling the strings. And uh, I think he influences games so much.
0: Yeah, and no, I think it's more than just understanding the player um, in terms of where they fit in on the pitch, but probably also understanding his personality because he looks a lot more confident since Corbrand's come in. And that seems to be.
1: That penalty was phenomenally confident. I mean, to uh, to put it into the side netting like that, he's not only sent the goalkeeper um, the wrong way, but even if the keeper goes the right way, he's not getting in anywhere near that. He's hit it so hard right into the side netting. I don't think you take a penalty like that unless you're brimming with confidence, do you?
0: No, I wouldn't say so. And it's it's not just that, but it's also the stuff that he's been trying. Um, passes and, and he's had a couple of tricks thrown in there as well. I remember one at Hull. And he just seems to be enjoying his football more and, and getting more involved and in impacting games more as well. So to me, it seems like it's as much of as man management and um, kind of understanding the personality of your player as well as it's as much as it is that, as it is um, mm-hmm. kind of your tactical ideas for him and, and where you want him to get involved and what you want him to do on the pitch. Because... Um, I think everyone knows that John Swift's got the ability to be a, a top top class player in the championship. Um, it's just kind of, yeah. I think you need to. It seems like he needs to be confident and happy to do it.
1: Do you think some some people because he still gets some grief on on, on social? I, I still get see some people not understanding what he brings to the team. Do you think there is a little bit of a hangover from how Bruce misused him that people are people are some people still seem to think he's the same player when under Corbran he's really not.
0: Yeah, um, it, it takes time, doesn't it, to, to decide that it's actually, that the player's actually improved rather than it just being him having a couple of good games. Um, and I suppose the other thing is that the easy comparison to make from Swift is to Mateus Pereira, because he's probably the last number 10 that we've had since, um, Swift came in. So.
1: They're, they're really not comparable though, are they? I mean, they're totally, they're totally different sorts of players. I saw, su- I saw some, uh, somebody, I mean, Swift actually is second for, um, goal contributions in our team. In fact, I think he might be level with Wallace after that penalty, um, uh, penalty being scored at league goal contributions, I should say. Um, I think he might be, I think he might be level with, uh, with Wallace now. So he's equal first, but I, I still saw somebody, uh, somebody came back to me on social saying it's not enough. It's not enough. Pereira would have contributed way more. But Pereira was much higher up the pitch. I see Swift coming much deeper to influence the game than than Pereira ever would have done.
0: Yeah, he likes to get involved in all areas of the pitch, to be honest. Um, he kind of goes to, to find the ball and rather than almost waiting for it to, to come to him. Yeah, but he's, as I say, he likes to get involved in deep and move the ball forward. But he also gets on it in the final third. And since Corbran's come in, he seems to be getting a lot more touches in central areas um, I think it naturally he likes to drift out to the left I don't think that was just a Steve Bruce thing I think that's just kind of how he plays but I mean he's, he's still been doing that but I think as well as that he's been getting involved more in central areas and on the right he's just he seems to be drifting all over the pitch a lot more than under Bruce he seemed to just almost stay out on the left and and not get as involved as he should do in the game um, because well he's technically going to be one of the best players on the every pitch he steps onto this season. So the more you can get him involved, the the better he is, almost, because he's just so good on the ball and, and finding passes and, and starting moves. And yeah, I think without him, we would struggle quite a lot to to break down teams like, I know we didn't do it particularly well against Huddersfield, but I think we'd massively struggle against teams like that that just want to sit in if we didn't have on Swift.
1: I know it's it's not necessarily going to happen with us, Pete. But do you do you see a player that could step up to the Premier League?
0: Yeah, I think potentially. Um, I still think it's quite early days, um, but I mean, his his underlying numbers for his expected assists are, are really really high. Um, I think he's I think he might have the highest of all central midfielders in the Championship. Um, I think it's somewhere like eleven expected assists. I think he's he's underperforming that, which is, is which,
1: which is a testament to a half finishing, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's just saying that he does create really good chances, but the strikers aren't putting them away, which is why I think he's got about six assists registered, um, but about 11 expected assists. So, yeah, I think it would, obviously he'd look a lot better if, if <laughs> our forwards could finish the chances that he's creating for them. But he, he can do that. He can create an open play. He's got really good delivery on set pieces. Um He can definitely take a penalty. We saw that against Huddersfield. I'm still... Absolutely convinced. Do you, do you also
1: think he's, his his uh, assist would be a lot higher if we if Carl Bartley was back in the, in the team because that was starting to become a really really deadly combination. Swift it was almost like Brunt to McCauley back in the day. Uh, Swift to Bartley, and it, it's just a shame. Uh, whilst obviously there's no reason whatsoever to leave out either Dara or Peters at the moment because we're keeping so many clean sheets at home. We've we have lost that threat from set pieces without Bartley. In there, and I think I think uh, I I think Swift would have a lot higher assists if Bartley had played, you know, any of the last sort of like ten games.
0: Yeah, I'd say so from set pieces. Um, Obviously, Bartley's a massive miss, and Swift has got very good delivery. So, I think, yeah, if since Bartley was out injured, if he if he wasn't injured and he played all the games since then, then Swift would probably have a couple more to his name just because of that threat. So I suppose that's a miss, but yeah, I mean, he can do it in open play. He can do it from set pieces. I think I'm convinced we're going to see a John Swift go from a free kick, direct from a free kick before the end of the season, because I think he's really First good. First in September day.
1: 2020.
0: <laughs> exactly. So I think it's going to happen before the end of the season.
1: They, yeah, uh, they, they, There you go, people who like a flutter. That's, that's Pete's... Nap of the of of the pod. John, uh, John Swift to score a free kick between now and the end of the season. I don't I don't know what odds bookmakers would give you uh, give you on it, but they're half, if they're half decent, that's Pete's call.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't have a clue what the odds were, but you know, if you can find it somewhere, then then let me know. I might be interested myself because know yeah, I mean, I've seen his his free kicks for for Reading and yeah, oh. some really impressive ones in there. We saw the one against Hull recently that. Hit the what was it? Basically, the inside of the post and, and didn't go in. And yeah, I think it's going to happen for the end of the season.
1: I mean, one more player that I want to touch on before we before before we finish, Pete, is uh, and it's by no means somebody who's been as anywhere near as influential to our season as Swift and Peters. But I do just want to briefly mention Adam Reach because obviously he came into the team. Against Huddersfield. It was something that after Hull, you and I spoke about and said that there's probably an argument to say Reach should be getting a look in because he offers us more balance on, on that side. And it does split opinion when Adam Reach plays. I think to be fair, there was a pretty general consensus that Adam Reach had a decent game. Against Huddersfield, I don't, I, I haven't seen many, if any, Albion fans who've who've actually gone as far as to dispute that. But nonetheless, his selection does does split people, and I just wanted to sort of say where I stand on this because I had a look at Reach's data over the course of the season and it was actually pretty impressive for um, for for a wide man in terms of pass success. Um, 83.1%, which is one of the highest in the squad and better than any of our wide players. Now, it's not to say that though the majority of those passes are particularly threatening in any way, shape or form. But I think what I look at and see with Adam Reach, especially at home, is an absolute steady Eddie. And given our defensive record at the moment, it really does take us one goal to win a game at home uh, because we're just that good defensively. And if you've got Adam Reach in your team, what what I am seeing is a guy who is, okay, unspectacular, not incredibly exciting, does deliver a lovely ball from time to time into the penalty area. But generally speaking, he's not going to, twist defenders inside and out like Grady Dean and Garner. He's not going to get into the kind of shooting positions that Jed Wallace gets into. Um, he's not going to get into as frequent a crossing position as, as Jed Wallace. And what I would say is, is Adam Reach going to win you a game? Probably not. But the other question is, is Adam Reach going to lose you a game? Probably not. And while we've got so many injuries in that left-hand side position, we've got you know we have got an issue now your other options are albrighton my problem with albrighton out there is that he's constantly trying to get back onto his right foot and that cre- that does create an issue that he doesn't get the ball in as much he does he does occasionally gets dispossessed when when he's trying to do that and the other option is grant and that that takes me back to the is he going to win you a game now grant is far more likely to win you a game than Adam reach, but he's also far more likely to lose you again, not tracking back like he did against Chesterfield in the three, three. And at the moment, I think we've got enough particular at home to get the one goal, which is all that it seems to, it seems to need to win a game out of Swift, Wallace and DK. They're the ones who are going to go and win you a game. I'm actually pretty happy with having an absolute steady Eddie over on that left-hand side in Adam Reach, who whilst is not going to go and win you a game like Grady Dean Garner might, who is third in the squad for goal contributions this season. And Adam Reach isn't going to get anywhere near that level, but he's also probably not going to lose you a game. And I think that's really, really important. And I think, I think to a certain degree that quality can easily be underrated by people because it's not particularly exciting. But I think, especially at this stage of the season where it's all about results, Pete, I just think it's so important, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I completely agree with what you are saying about Grant as the compa- as the comparison. It's kind of if you need to, he's a bit more of a roll of the dice because you might end up with him, you know, scoring the goal that wins you a game, but he could also give the ball away and and lose you the game. So I think if you if you're desperate for a goal, um, Grant's probably a good place to go to, um, because he, he's definitely more threatening than Adam Reach. Um, but if you can kind of trust your system and your other players in your team to consistently create chances and, and limit the chances of the opposition, then Reach is, as you say, more steady and, um, less of a risk, but also you're less likely to get him to be the one that's going to make the difference. But as long as you trust the, the rest of the, the players on your team to, be able to make the difference, then you're almost better with having Breach in there because you know that he's not going to, he's less likely to, um, make the mistake that's going to concede you a goal. So, yeah, I think, it, I imagine there will be situations in the season that would call out for Colin Grant. If we're chasing a, if we're chasing a game, um, if we're 2 1 down or something and, and you need goals, then I'd probably look to bring on Grant on the left and, and hope that he can, he can do what he does inside the box and, Get a chance and, and finish it. Um, just as a, a general pick, I would be looking at Adam Reach ahead of him, just because he offers. You, this a you bit probably more wouldn't
1: start with Grant, would you? It's it's too much for gamble.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that. Um, even against a side like Huddersfield, who are going to um, sit in and maybe not offer. Well, a well yeah, because if he costs
1: run. you a goal, I mean, uh, uh, what would it have been like on Saturday if we'd gone a goal down?
0: Well. I could have sat any deeper but yeah he, if he costs you there then you're in trouble um, but he's almost probably better suited to teams that are going to attack you because then he can attack the space and, and counter attack and that seems to be what he was quite good at under Valerian Ishmael was having the space to run into and then attack it and he scored a lot of goals doing that from the left um, so yeah it's horses for courses and there's, there's a time and a place for each player um, but at the minute I'd I, Definitely go for the more steady player in Adam Reach for the starting spot.
1: Just to finish off, Pete. Obviously, that's two home games in, in on the spin in a week. <laughs> two wins, six points. But now we've got to go away. Got to go away to Cardiff on Wednesday night, and we said we we said after uh, after Watford game. That we weren't overly worried about the away form, that we looked at the three defeats and we we saw two of them against Burnley and Watford and and Birmingham game is a bit of an outlier. But then the whole game came along and suddenly you are starting to see a bit of a trend and, and, and whether or not there is a real trend from a mental point of view, players will be aware of the fact that they've lost four on the spin. Just as much as they'll be aware of the fact that they've won nine of the last 10 league games at home and not lost any of them and conceded one goal, they'll be extremely confident going into games at the Hawthorns, but they won't be terribly confident going to to Cardiff away. Are you seeing anything tactically different between home and away that is concerning you? Or do you just believe that this is possibly a little bit of a a mental block that we need to get beyond to get. I mean, our season's back on track. Um, the, the, the Sunderland Norwich game is Norwich Sunderland game has just finished behind me 1 nil to Sunderland. So we, we remain eighth three points off the playoffs going into that game against, um, against Cardiff on Wednesday. So we're very much back on track. But the reality is we are not going to make the playoffs if we can't get results away from home. Do you just see this as a mental block or is there something tactically in there that we're getting wrong away from home?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one because I can't really put my finger on what it is that's stopping us from getting the results away from home. Yeah, I don't think we're doing that much differently um, compared to games at the Hawthorns. So I'm not really sure why it's such a a massive difference in the results that we're getting. Um, Maybe it, it is just a mental thing that Just random luck or bad luck that we're not getting any results away from home, and then eventually that starts to creep into players' minds, and they start thinking, "Oh, hang on, we're 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 terrible away from home, and how are we going to get a a win here?" And it's it kind of then becomes the reality because of the the worry in the back of the mind that you know we're not as good away from home as we are at the Hawthorns, or maybe vice versa. You they come they go to play at the Hawthorns, they think, "Oh, yeah, we we get wins," so and that just you know. Becomes a self fulfilling prophecy, and um, yeah. So, in terms of tactical setup and and the way we play, I, I yeah, I'd definitely struggle to, to put my finger on anything that's that's having the impact that it is on our way for.
1: Fortunately, though, Pete, it's not for us to solve. That's why Carlos gets paid the the the, the big bucks and. <laughs> we get paid nothing. So um yeah that's uh, it's it's over to him to solve this problem but uh, yeah I agree with you. I think I I think to be honest I'm not seeing that much tactically between the two. I just think that mentally speaking I I think we've had a couple of couple of defeats and then when the whole one happens I just think it creeps into players heads that, that, that a, a negative attitude to being away from home And from that point of view, I think a victory against Cardiff on Wednesday night would just be absolutely enormous to prove to the players that we can get results going into a two-week break without any games and hopefully, hopefully we can get that result and we can get that springboard to take us forward. Obviously we wouldn't normally do a pod after a midweek game but the fact that there's not a not a game for two weeks afterwards means that we will. So we will be back um after the Cardiff game to look back on that and hopefully Albion going into the couple of week break with obviously the Sheffield United game being called off and then the internationals after that um with nine points from a possible nine fingers crossed. Please do it for us, Baggies. But we will be back to talk about that Cardiff game after it has happened on Wednesday night. But as usual, thanks for listening and up the Baggies.